Well, today we are beginning the season of Advent, and we have a brand new sermon series we're launching today called All I Want for Christmas. Uh, And many of us can find something we would like to fill in the blank of that statement, All I Want for Christmas. And I don't know about you, but part of me loves the experience of making a Christmas list. I really enjoy just coming up with outlandish things to put on my Christmas list in hopes that maybe somebody will get it for me or in hopes that, you know, you know, that, you know. Yeah, forgot where I was going with that. But I love making a wish list. I love that experience. But unfortunately, I have reached a point in my life where I pretty much have everything I need, uh, I've got a job, and I, I have an income, my wife has an income, and so there aren't a ton of things that I can put on the wish list these days, because as you get older, you, you have more and more things, and so there are less and less things that you need to get. And so I, I was struggling a little bit this year, and so I did the logical thing, and I said, maybe there's something I'm missing. So I turned to my trusty friend, Google, and I typed in, you know, what are the top gifts for Christmas this year. And I was trying to see if there was something that had slipped through the cracks that I had not thought about yet that maybe I should add to my list. And as you can imagine, there are a ton of electronic things available uh, that are at the top of people's lists. And I'm not going to go into details about what all is there, but we reside in a media age. So there are a lot of electronic things That are out there. I've still got a year before I can upgrade my phone, so I mean, no need to put that on the wish list. But there was one thing that caught my attention. One thing that I just thought this was the coolest thing, um, and I I would just love if somebody would get this for me for Christmas. If you go on Google and search for top Christmas items in 2014, one of the links you will find is to gifts.com. And so I clicked on the gifts.com link, and what I found the very first Thing you see on the top Christmas gifts, according to gifts.com, was this. Can we throw it up on the screen? A plot of land in Ireland. <laughs> A plot of land. Niall, I'm coming to your homeland. $49.99. You can buy me a plot of land in Ireland. I kid you not. Okay, so this, you can buy this. You can buy this. And Our projectors aren't great. We're we're upgrading them soon. So you might not be able to read the fine print. This is one square foot of land in Ireland. So I could be the proud owner, a proud landowner of a plot of land in Ireland. So there you have it. If you haven't put it on your wish list yet, go home and type into Google. And you too can ask your relatives for a plot of land in Ireland this Christmas. I don't know about you, but I grew up uh, in, you know, a a blessed home, and I don't really remember many Christmases where I didn't get, you know, most of the things on my list, and and there was never really anything glaring where I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't get that, I didn't get that, and I'm making a list and thinking about what I didn't get, and, uh, who knows this year, maybe I won't get the plot of land in Ireland, and so that, that'll be a disappointment that I'll have to work through. But I, I remember vividly one Christmas I didn't get something that I wanted. Um, and this is the only time I really remember not getting something that I wanted. 
Um, I'm sure there were other things along the way, but this was the only thing that really stands out in my memory. And I remember I, I was a teenager. I don't know exactly what year it was, but I, I was a teenager, and I had started playing at church some, and I, I played guitar, but sometimes I would play bass. And I had a good bit of guitar stuff, but I didn't have a bass amp. Like a, I was playing bass this morning. We have a bass amp over here that uh, kind of stays here at the church. But I wanted a bass amp because at that time, uh, the church I was attending, they didn't have a bass amp. I didn't have a bass amp. And I was like, life would be easier if I had a bass amp. And so I put it on my Christmas list, and I thought for sure that my dad would get it for me. And Christmas Day rolled around, and I, I remember uh, a hard conversation that, that some of you have experienced in your own lives. But Christmas Day rolled around, and there was no bass amp. And the reason there was no bass amp was because there was no job. And I, I just remember talking to my dad and him saying, you know, I, I wish that I could have gotten you more, but, you know, I, I lost my job. And, and there were other things going on in his life where he was having a difficult time. Now, when I look back on that, I don't think about how my life has been dramatically shaped in a negative way because I did not get a bass amp that Christmas. When I look back on that Christmas, what I think about is that was a period of time in my relationship with my dad where he and I weren't as close as we usually were. And that's what I remember. And sometimes I think that what we want for Christmas, what we say we want for Christmas, what we put on that tangible list of things is merely a facade for something deeper within us. And I believe that all of us have some sort of deep down, deeper longings that are really what we want for Christmas. And yours are probably different than mine, but all of us more than likely have something within us where we're longing for something deep down. And that's what this sermon series is going to be all about. It's not going to be about everybody getting up here. Tim's not going to get up here next week and tell you what all's. Actually, Tim might get up here next week and tell you what all's on his Christmas list. I wouldn't put it past him. But that's not really what we're looking at. What we're looking at is what are the things within us that we really long for? If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Right at the very beginning, this is the way that the gospel of Mark begins. And I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible this morning, and I invite you to follow along with me on the screens. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized and to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I am is coming. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Everlasting God, we thank you that your faithfulness endures 
through every age. And today we ask that you would open up this scripture to us. That you would speak to us so that the power of Christ's coming, both then and yet to come, will be known to us. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Great stories seem to have great beginnings. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but whenever there's a classic story, there's always a classic way that it begins. And just like our journey towards Christmas Day in 21st century America oftentimes begins with making a Christmas list. That might be the beginning of your journey towards Christmas Day. For the church, it's always been the season of Advent. The season of Advent is what points us and prepares us for Christmas. Now, Advent used to be a really peculiar thing to me because for me, I, I just like things to be logical, and it doesn't seem normal to me to spend four weeks anticipating Jesus coming when Jesus already came. And I know Jesus is going to come again, but it, it just seemed weird. It, it's like for four weeks we ignore the fact that he has been born already. But the more and more I have come to understand and appreciate Advent, I've come to understand why it is such an important part of the Christian life cycle. Every single year, we spend that time meditating and reading through and hearing sermons preached on those passages that talked about Jesus coming. And through it, something happens where we, over the course of those four weeks, have an opportunity to prepare our own hearts to receive that message of Christ's coming both then and again and again and again and again into our own lives. And inevitably, it includes a journey through the wilderness to hear the message of Jesus' coming from John the Baptist. Now, the wilderness might seem like a peculiar idea to you because most of us, we, we live here in North Macon, we're not really near the wilderness, and so it might seem like a peculiar idea to you to think about what it's like to be in the wilderness. But my guess is that all of us, either at some point in our lives or maybe even right now, have spent time in the wilderness. And I'm not just talking about the wilderness that you recognize as the wilderness. There, there are different wildernesses that we all experience, and they come in different shapes and forms. Now, I said that great stories always seem to have great beginnings. They set the tone for the rest of the story. And so you might be familiar with some of these great lines that begin stories. It was the best of times. It was the worst. It was the age of wisdom. People don't know that one. They only know the first line. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. You might be familiar with stories that begin once upon a time. Those might be stories that you hear, and it sparks something within you. One great story begins, it was love at first sight. Also, there are the way that songs begin. Songs begin, and they set the tone for what's about to happen. One of the greatest songs ever written begins, A long, long time ago, I can still remember... That, that's, that's later. That's the song, yeah. All right, a long, long time ago, and I can still remember how the music... You, 
cry, I think is actually what it is. It's smile or cry. It's, it's one of those emotions. Whatever it is, it, it sparks something within us where we anticipate something great is about to come about. When you hear the dun 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 beginning of Don't Stop Believing, you know a dramatic, exciting song is coming forward. When you hear the enchanting finger-picked guitar at the beginning of Stairway to Heaven, you think, what in the world is about to happen? So there, there are different emotions, there are different experiences that with these great beginnings show us what's about to come forth. Whatever the art form, the beginning is always an important step. Now the Gospels, they all begin in different ways. One gospel, the gospel of Matthew, begins with a list. It begins with a genealogy, and then it goes through, and it talks about all these different things about Jesus' childhood. Another gospel, the gospel of Luke, it begins with stories of expectation of Jesus' coming, and then it goes through his birth, and we have the manger scene, we have the shepherds, we have angels singing glory to God in the highest. And then there's John. John has this really eloquent poetry thing where he's talking about uh, what is significant about Christ's coming. And so Mark begins in a completely different way. We don't have a manger scene. We don't have angels singing glory to God in the highest. What we have is this line. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son. And then, next thing you know, we're in the wilderness. It's like, here's the beginning of the story. This is the beginning of the good news. And there there are two things you know in the very first sentence that set the tone for everything that's going to happen from there on out. This is the beginning of the good news. This is good news. And this is about God's Son. This is about the Messiah. This is about something great that is coming. The story begins... And immediately we know that. And then immediately we find ourselves in the wilderness. Now, just as there are voices that introduce great stories, just as there are voices that introduce great tales or moving songs, there are voices in the wilderness. Now, you may not want to admit that you have spent time in the wilderness, and you certainly don't want to admit that you've spent time listening to voices. But with every wilderness, there seems to be some sort of voice. Every wilderness seems to have its own voice or multiple voices. Perhaps you have spent time in the wilderness of feeling alone. Perhaps you've spent that time in the wilderness where it seemed as though no one cared, as though no one was near. And you spent that time, and while you were there, you might have heard a voice saying, it will always be like this. You might have heard a voice that, that beat you down, that, that criticized you and said that it was all your fault. Or maybe even at Christmas time, you've spent time in the wilderness of materialism. You've spent time in that wilderness that's such a common wilderness at this time of year, and you think, if I could just get such and such, everything would be different. My wife and I, we, we love watching commercials on TV, and we always crack up at this, um, the jewelry commercials. They're, they're on like nonstop this time of year. And every single jewelry commercial, it's, 
He's the perfect husband because he bought the perfect gift from the perfect jewelry store that just happens to be this one that's running the ad. And so that is the uh, kind of angle that they take with those jewelry commercials. And my wife sits there, and every time one comes on, she goes, this is ridiculous. I don't like this at all. This, this is dumb. And I'm like, I found a winner. This is great. Because she's sitting there looking at the jewelry commercial going, that, 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 that just doesn't even add up. That doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's awesome. And so we've spent time in that wilderness, and we think if I could just get a little bit more, then my life would be complete. My life would be fulfilled. Maybe you've spent time in the wilderness of wandering. Wandering without any clear direction for your life. Wandering from God. Wandering and wondering what it is that life holds for you. And when you're in that wilderness, you hear all sorts of different voices. You hear a voice that says you can never come back. You hear a voice that says, go further this direction. Most of us that have spent any time in this life, we've just got this fun thing going on with the lights today. I just, I don't know if y'all have picked up on it, but it is awesome. I think they're working on something. We are in the wilderness of technology not working. Welcome. We've been here all week. If we've spent any time in this life, we know that experience of the wilderness. All of us have experienced it at some point or another, whether we would call it the wilderness or not. And when we're in the wilderness, we hear voices, and some lead us further into the wilderness, and some lead us towards a more positive direction. But it's in the wilderness that we see that we need God. The ancient Israelites, they, they knew this. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and through that experience, they, they learned to depend upon God. And as they reflect back for the past three millenniums on that experience, they think about what that experience taught them and how it showed them their need for God. And it's that need for God why every Advent we go through this experience of, of saying, let's anticipate Christ coming again. And every Advent, we go back to the wilderness, and we hear John's message calling out to us. It begins with an unusual voice, but that unusual voice points us to repentance. Now, most of us are not too crazy about admitting that we hear voices. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time was about a leftover hippie from the 60s who became a corn farmer in Iowa, and he started hearing voices that told him to build a baseball field. And he quickly became the town nut. And he became the town nut, but it made for a great movie. It was awesome. But there, there are some voices that we hear that call us to do things that might be uncomfortable. I remember uh, about 10 years ago, I was um, a college-age counselor for Martha Bowman's youth camp. And while I was on that retreat, on that youth camp, I thought I heard, for, for one of the very few times in my life, almost audibly the voice of God calling me to quit my job. I had a job as a part-time youth pastor uh, at a church in Athens, and I felt like God was calling me to leave that, and there wasn't another job lined up. It was just, just walk in, tell them you're leaving. And I was like, okay. 
And so I, I was kind of trying to process that, and I felt like God was leading me to focus more on music. And I, I was like, this is weird. I don't have a music job lined up. In fact, I wouldn't get a, a music job for another couple of years after that. But I, I started focusing my energy on that, and I remember walking into the pastor's office of that church, and I, I said to him, um, hey, I just want to share with you, I feel like I'm supposed to quit my job. And he says, do you feel like the Lord is calling you to do this? And I said, yeah, and I, I really don't have a plan. I just know the first step is I'm supposed to leave this job. And he said, let me tell you a story. He said, when I was a new pastor, one of my very first jobs, there was this really old, sweet lady in the church who was just one of the saints, one of the pillars of the church. And she came up to me one day, as I was wrestling with a decision, and she said, when you hear a voice and your first reaction is, oh no, that's not the word she used. Your first reaction is, oh no, you know it's probably the voice of God. There are those uncomfortable voices that lead us to understand maybe this is God calling us, and it might not be something we want to do, but it's something we ought to do. And it's there that we realize that we might have what we actually want and what we actually need when we get to that point of desperation in the wilderness. Now, last month, I went on a little retreat. Uh, me and one other guy, we went on a little writing retreat up to one of my favorite places, the mountains along the edge of North Georgia and North Carolina. And while we were up there, uh, I had the opportunity to go by Young Harris College. Young Harris College is where I spent my first two years of school. And I went and visited with some guys that are part of an organization that I used to be a part of. And uh, we, we've just stayed in touch through, through online connections. And um, we got together, and they wanted me to see this new building that had just opened a few weeks earlier. And so we met in this beautiful building. It was much nicer than anything that was on campus when I was there. Uh, but we met in this building, and we were sitting around talking, and, and they all had to go and do other things. And they said, you, you really should look around. This is a great facility. And I said, okay. So I, I went and kind of gave myself the self-guided tour without a map, uh, just kind of wandering around this building trying to experience what it's like. And so I went and uh, saw they have a new dining facility within it. I went, they have a new uh, library within it that's really nice. And I just kind of kept wandering around this, this building. And then eventually I got to the third floor. And uh, it was the top floor of this building. And when I was there, I looked out a window and I saw the view I had come to campus to see. Now this building sits on the very footprint of the dorm I lived in my freshman year. And every morning I would walk out the door, and this would be my view. Do we have the picture ready to go? Maybe. Really is a great view. All right, so that was the view I would see every morning. And the, the view, uh, those buildings weren't there then, but the mountains were. The mountains have been there for, for a while. And that was the view I would see every morning when I would walk out my door. And I wanted to experience that over again. And so I found 
this little balcony I could walk out on where I could get a great view of it. I could snap a picture. I could stand there and be nostalgic for a few minutes, and then I could go on with my day. The only problem with that is this building is new, and they haven't quite figured out that if you have a balcony that people can walk out onto, they will walk out onto it, and you might want to give them an opportunity to walk back in. But instead, the door is locked behind me. And so I go and I turn around and I'm trying to go back through the door to get back into the building so I can get out. There's no fire escape. There's no nothing. And so I'm just standing there wondering how in the world am I going to get down from here. And so I'm thinking about it and I, I call one of the guys that I met up with earlier. He was the only person on campus whose phone number I had. And he didn't answer Then I thought to myself, do I know anyone who works here, who lives near here? And I I remembered, you know, I've got a friend who I think still works here. I'm not sure. And so uh, I go, we're still Facebook friends. I've got my phone with me, and I go, and I send her a message on Facebook. And it goes something like this. Do you still work at Young Harris? Specifically, are you at work right now? Because I have locked myself out on this balcony and would like to get back in. And so I sent her that message, um, no response from her. In fact, she would respond six hours later, and the first sentence was, ha, 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 I used to date her, so I may or may not have deserved that. I'm not sure. And so I'm standing up there, and I'm like, okay, I know one person who works here. She's not responding. I have one guy's phone number. He's not responding. And I'm looking down, and there's no one near that could hear me call out to them. And there's nobody on this floor of the building. Worse yet, it's almost 5 o'clock on Friday, and people are leaving for the weekend. There is pretty soon going to be nobody in this building, and I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get down. So after what seems like an eternity, my phone rings again, or my phone rings, and it's the guy I called earlier, and... uh, I said, hey, I'm stuck on this balcony. Are you here? And he said, no, I left. He said, everybody else left campus. I really don't know of anybody that would be on campus right now. You know, it's Friday. I was like, yeah, I'm aware of that. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so you're no help. Uh, I said, when will you be back? He said, I I don't know, Monday? (laughs) I was like, okay, cool, I'll wait. And so I'm just standing up there, not sure. And what was a familiar place for me all of a sudden felt like the wilderness. And I'm not sure how I'm going to get out of it. A couple minutes pass, and I hear a voice from below. We're sending somebody up for you! And I look down, and there was a man eating locusts and honey with a beard like... No, he he wasn't eating locusts and honey. He was a gruff-looking fella. He was one of the facilities guys. And I said, excuse me? He said, someone's on their way to rescue you. I said, thanks. And waited patiently for someone to get up to the top floor to let me through. And as I stood on that balcony waiting on that person to come, there was something I realized about it. This is the message of John the Baptist. When we are in those moments where we're not sure if we're going to be able to get out, he calls out, 
Someone's on their way to rescue you. Someone is coming that is greater than I who's going to rescue you and change everything. And that's what we experience each year in Advent. As we prepare for Christmas, as we think through what do we want for Christmas, that question can be answered a lot of different ways. What do you want for Christmas? Is there something on your tangible list, or is there something deep within you that longs for something you can't quite touch? John the Baptist came preaching a message of repentance. And as he came, he said, I want you to turn and confess your sins and repent because there's someone coming, and that someone's coming to rescue you. If all you want for Christmas this year is to be rescued, I have good news for you. Because as we make our way towards Christmas Day, we'll continually be able to reflect on the one who came and the one who will come again that makes us whole and rescues us. And so my question this morning is this. Will we wander in the wilderness, drawing near to the voices that make us feel comfortable? Or will we draw near to that voice that might call us to do something uncomfortable, like repenting? And recognize that deep down inside of us, we have a need, and that need is for the one who has come, who comes into our lives, and will come into this world again. Whatever wilderness you find yourself in, the invitation this morning is simple. As the band comes back up and we go back into a time of singing uh, with hopefully less lights and hopefully words on the screen, uh, the invitation is this. If you find yourself in the wilderness, if you're experiencing a wilderness today, won't you come and seek the one who comes to rescue us when we need him most? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this message of John the Baptist, this message that cries out in the wilderness, that cried out in the wilderness so many years ago and still speaks through the wilderness of our own lives today, proclaiming Jesus Christ and proclaiming that we can prepare the way for Christ to come into our lives as we turn from our sins, as we reflect on our need for you, and we seek to live in fellowship with you. Lord, at this time, I just ask that as uh, we sing one more song, that you would speak to the hearts of all of us gathered here today and show us where we need you. Help us experience your grace yet again. For it is in your name we pray.